podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to another episode of Reffing Up with Brian Hemner. I am the man with the magical voice. And we couldn't do it without the two greatest referees of all time. First and foremost, Mr. Reffin Rant himself. Mr. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Trying to stay warm up here in Canada, my friend. <laughs> I, I feel on that. But the guy that is always warm when he's wearing his Manscaped boxer briefs, Mr. Brian Hemner. Brian, what's up, man? Uh, like you said, I'm feeling nice and warm and balls are buttery. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Uh, but yes, man, I'm those, doing great. Man, great. It's a little, little chilly here in Virginia and Raining a little bit, but I can't complain considering what uh, you guys got. Uh, so, yeah. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm so ready for uh, summer, I think, or something warmer anyway. Um, but it's just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Buttery balls over here. Yay, winter. <laughs> there you go. There, there's a new drink coming to every bar near you. The buttery balls. We'll call oh, I could just. Can you imagine walking in there? Hey, what do you have? I'll have a buttery balls. You know, you know, there, there was there. Uh, you, you, this reminded me of something. Um, so, <laughs> me and my dad and a couple of others were on the road. This was back in my TNA days, and we went to a Waffle House, and there were it was packed. And the waitress, let's just say, wasn't the smartest uh, uh, knife in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And she asked us after we were done eating whether we wanted some dessert, and so we said yes. Uh, well, my dad said yes. And she asked what she would, what we would like. And she said, he says, I would like to get some of that poontang pie. And she didn't know what that was. And she said, I don't think we have that. She said, what you, you can't not have this. This is one of y'all's famous pies. She says, well, let me check for you for a minute. So she literally, you know how they yell orders in, in Waffle House? They just spit it out. She literally was like, Hey John, do we have any more of that poontang pie? And the whole restaurant popped. It was an absolute amazing, amazing. <laughs> oh my God! It was just simply—I mean, you can't describe the 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 dumbness that went through that that. Oh my God! That poor waitress. It was just funny. So, so probably probably Rocky probably got a, a nice uh, check in the mail for mentioning that, then, right? <laughs> yeah, he got a royalty check from Waffle House for not having poutine pie. Oh God! Can you imagine if it ended up on the menu? <laughs> uh, the eagle let's open open up a restaurant all the sides i'm sure somebody's has to have it somewhere across the country just have well, it named look, after wrestlers well what what drunk late night guy wouldn't go in there and order poutine pie think about it it works <laughs> or or sober guy that just wants to say poutine pie in the restaurant and actually get away with it. It. yeah there you go <laughs> anyways we're actually going to get to our topic today eventually guys this is just our filibusting at the at the uh beginning but uh, let's send it up to the first count and talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. This is your one count. 
The Royal Rumble was this past weekend at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, gentlemen. Um, just to put a little context behind it, something that I showed you guys before we got started here, some of the uh, biggest uh, things to take from this Royal Rumble um, makes a lot of history. It was the largest audience in Royal Rumble history with 51,338 in attendance. Um, the gate was 7.7 million. Uh, sponsored revenue was up nearly 200% versus a record set in 2022. Uh, the merchandise uh, sales uh, was up 135% compared to last year's record in 2022. And social media was 200 million uh, video views across all your major uh, social media platforms. And that's even in taken away from the actual talent in the ring, the great matches that we saw. Um, we'll start, Jimmy. Uh, I know you did a lot of this stuff work with over there at Wrestling Inc., the post show, um, mm -hmm. but what did you take away some of these things, the high points from this uh, pay-per-view? No, I thought it, overall it was an enjoyable pay-per-view because, you know, let's put it this way. WrestleMania is the pay-per-view of the year or a premium live event, as they call them now. That's that's number one on the list. And everybody puts SummerSlam at number two. And I guess from a business standpoint, it is. But the most fun, it seems like, pay-per-view slash premium live event of the year for a lot of fans is the Royal Rumble. They look forward to it every year. They seem to have the most fun with that. And it showed this year. And from if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, it was an absolute tremendous. It was a home run. Mm -hmm. Knocked out of the park. And uh, as far as the in-ring stuff goes, the both Rumble matches were good. There were some interesting other matches on the show as well. But overall, you know what? I enjoyed it and I was entertained. And if I, you know, uh, I don't always think of it from a business standpoint, but at the same time, I can't help but look at it that way too. This is a company that is in a good spot right now. And if it is for sale, because we've heard the rumors, this is a good sign for uh you know, increasing the price of the uh, the property. Let's put it that way. Sure. I thought, and Jimmy, you're right. I thought it was a, a very solid program. I really did pay per view, premium event, whatever the fuck they call it. Uh, I thought it was. I really did. It was enjoyable. There were many, many great moments, many good moments. Um, not a lot of stuff to really be negative about, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, I do have a question for both of you, or a conglomeration of us putting it together here, but. I don't understand the record-breaking numbers. I really don't um, because of this. Ratings are not down. I would say they're down considering what they used to be. Mm -hmm. And attendance is down considering what it used to be. But then you throw in this, uh, this event, and then you've got all these record-breaking numbers. I don't understand it. I mean, I'm happy for it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I don't get it. I don't. And they even – actually had less surprises than normal as far as the amount of people coming in. Um, so that was less, but I'm no, but that's not advertised. So I guess that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, attendance and whatnot, but they had, they did have less advertised things on this show. In my opinion, I just don't understand that, that number growing and growing very high percentages too. Like the merchandise number was what? 200 and some percent. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Your attendance was 51,338. Uh, I mean, that's that's incredible. Your 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 what was it? The the um, Twitter reactions and things like that were mm -hmm. at all time high. I mean, it's 
So I just don't understand it. Do you have a, a reasoning behind this, either one of you guys? Go ahead, Jimmy. No, it, it, I think part of it is because, you know, coming out of the pandemic uh, era where, you know, the other uh, WrestleManias and, and premium live events and pay-per-views were done at the Performance Center in Orlando and it didn't feel the same. Now it's a chance for fans to get back to somewhat kind of normal. And I think that's what helped a lot. And especially nowadays with everything costing more. So obviously the gross is going to be <laughs> higher than before, especially with the record number crowd. But at the same time, you got to think, what about the profit margin? You know what I mean? They're, yes. You're saying it's a, yeah, your profit margin. It, it, obviously it's a record gross, but it doesn't mean it's a record profit, mm -hmm. so to speak. And, it, you know, and back in the day when you used to get paid, the, depending on the gate, would have been a good time to be, uh, under that kind of deal today, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Well, let's uh, one more thing. So, you is this the first Rumble since the pandemic? No, they did. Um, they did one last year. I know. Okay, and that was that was uh, that that was not any mask, any mandates, all that stuff. This was just a wide. I don't show. think so. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, I think that was the first one. Really, they really came back full fledged. I just think it's pretty like crazy. I think like in a good way. This is pretty ironic, man. And like you said, Jimmy, uh, if you're a potential buyer for this company right now, you've got to be feeling pretty good if you are in talks or uh, maybe even locked up something that we're waiting to hear. So pretty interesting. That's all mm -hmm. I thought. Just, you know, just yeah. those figures were pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I think it helped out, too, where they advertised. We talked about it last week or previous. Maybe it was offline, too, but uh they, they advertise Cody coming back, so, which I think mm -hmm. helped those numbers out a bit. Uh, I know I saw somewhere, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Friday or what have you, but all his merchandise sold out. Um, I know Triple H, his post-event post, uh, presser basically said that maybe they should bring more merchandise because they sold out of pretty much everything they had. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, a lot of, you know, my generational fans back in the day from watching like gentlemen like yourself back in, you know, Oh three, Oh four, Oh five, the, you know, those early two thousands and what have you as well. You know, we got kids, we're taking our kids to the shows, you know, the show, the kids want this, this and that. And it's like un unreal. It's like back when I was, little, it's always those, you know, those Disney on ice Hey mom, I want one of those little things that'll break five in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, right. So, and I, I, I think the you know the advertising, the promotions that they did previous to it helped them out, and that's I think why they got you know everything was sold out. You know they sold out of all the merchandise. The ads were good. So, mm -hmm. um, and all in all, I think it was a great thing. You know we 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 saw, I think a lot of people are talking about it. So I want to get your guys' reactions too. Is basically the implosion of the bloodline. You know, we saw Sammy hit Roman in the back with a chair. Jay walks out. Um, feasibly, obviously, we'd be setting up something between Sammy and Roman potentially at um, Elimination Chamber in Montreal. It's Sammy's hometown. Uh, it's you know KO's Maryville. That's that's down the that's around Montreal yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, all in all, I, I just, I think, I don't think I've heard a pop, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, in the last number of years, like that pop when Sammy hit Roman in the back. Uh, obviously that that's legitimate because I, I, that, that's not piped, piped in pops. 
Not at all. No, not, that's not piped in. And I will say, yes, the reaction was absolutely ginormous. And it was one of the ones that I've, I would say it's one of the loudest ones that I've heard in a while. Um, and it, it was almost like, to me, that it was a wanted thing that needed to be happened that they were waiting for. And it finally came to fruitation. Mm-hmm. And then the place just went absolutely berserk. Went banana, as Pat would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you no, do, do you guys think it, it went too long? Do you think it went the right amount of time? Do you think they should have done something different? Or was it basically couldn't have done any better? I, I think the timing of it, in my opinion, was perfect. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, obviously the Royal Rumble pay-per-view slash PLE is the beginning of the road to WrestleMania. So now it leaves a lot of questions open. And look, like Brian said, the look at the reaction from the audience. That's enough to tell you that that was probably perfect timing because now you're hearing, as much as people are, you know, saying, hey, what a great job Roman is doing as a heel and blah, blah, blah. He's getting booed again. Mm-hmm. And, right. and Sammy's getting a huge pop and he's getting over big time. So now he's in the conversation when it comes to facing Roman Reigns. That's a lot, man. So I think the, I think the, it's, it's easy to armchair quarterback afterwards, but the crowd tells you everything you need to know. And that reaction at the pay-per-view at the rumble told you everything you need to know that the timing of this was as close to perfect as you can get. When is when is the last time you guys have seen someone? And I'm, this is no disrespect to Sami Zayn at all because he's an ultra ultra talented wrestler. But man, it's not like he's some hot handsome guy that women could fall in love with. I mean, he looks like I don't know, grubbish in a way. He has no body. He has no like <laughs> like he's not a look a wrestler looking guy. Mm-hmm. But the guy's fucking over. It's it's fucking amazing. I just haven't seen anything like this in my life. And, and the storyline, and Jimmy, we we touched on this last week along with you, RJ. Mm-hmm. There is no better storyline that was going on at the time before this happened. There, right. There isn't in wrestling. But my God, I, I don't know if the storyline and just who he's with is what got him where he's at as far as just how over he is. But I've just never seen a guy who doesn't look like a wrestler, like an everyday guy, just really have that kind of power with these people. It's kudos. Uh, if, uh, sorry to interrupt if I if I am RJ, but if you want to make a comparison, he, he's got that Daniel Bryan slash mm-hmm. Bryan Danielson quality. Because mm-hmm. you look at Bryan Danielson, does he look? Uh, if you're just looking at him, he doesn't have that uh, airport uh, test appeal. If you know right. what I mean, when yeah. when you see a guy like Brock walking through the airport, I mean people's heads turn and stuff like that. When you see a D- Bryan Danielson or or even a Sami Zayn walking through the airport, it's like ah, he just looks like one of us. Yes, yes, and I think, exactly. and I think that's part of the appeal now. Is he's his character is not only getting over with the audience; they're saying, "Look, this guy's this guy's great," but he represents us, mm-hmm. the exactly. average person. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the appeal. Yeah, that's exactly. You must have been reading my <laughs> my mind there, Jim, because that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. The reality factor to it, where hey. I, I don't look like a Roman Reigns. I don't look like, you know, a Drew McIntyre. Sami Zayn, that's my dude. Kevin Owens, that's my dude. They look like, you know, they look like me. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be going to the gym six days a week, lifting weights, clanging and banging like some people. I'm going to go to, you know, Dunkin' Donuts for Tim Hortons for a coffee and a donut every day. Great. But um, 
but I just think it's one of those things. I haven't heard a pop like that. And I may, somebody may correct me if I'm wrong online. Mm-hmm. That's fine too. But I haven't heard a pop like that since the Hardys came back. Did you have to throw Tim Hortons in there just because of Jimmy? Yes, I saw it. I'm I, like, oh, Duncan. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Tim Hortons. I'm like, oh, I got to put Tim Hortons in there because I'm, I'm going to get like. Uh, it's okay. Uh, you can throw Krispy Kreme in there too. <laughs> they're not down here anymore. That's the thing. I used to, Oh, okay. Side note. So in college, we used to have a bet every weekend after we, you know, go to downtown Buffalo and, you know, have a couple pops here and there. <laughs> We used to have, we used to go get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts before we left. And everybody would see how many Krispy Kreme donuts they could eat. Wow. It's, no, that, uh, let's just say we water the flowers. Oh, I would say so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) maybe that's why they went out of business. I don't know. But anyways, um, but yeah, back to this. It's just like, I, I think it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, even more so now. WWE is, you know, hitting it out of the park. It will be interesting to see what they have coming up at WrestleMania. Uh, we had Rhea Ripley win the Women's uh, Royal Rumble. She uh, challenge would be challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. a match we saw a couple years ago where um, uh, Rhea lost her NXT Women's title to Charlotte. Uh, that was supposed to be in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, but was at the Performance Center because that was right around when... Uh, the you know height of covid uh and then uh we have the long awaited cody versus roman reigns mm-hmm. seeing that he makes it to wrestlemania which i have no doubt mm-hmm. but um i'll say i want to get you guys opinion on this cuz it's something that um you know you get that family aspect of the business um you know brian you're between yourself and your dad and your uncle been in the business a very long time. Jimmy, you've been in the business since, you know, 88, 89, the roads and the Samoan dynasties dynasty, excuse me. If they don't take advantage of this and then they're starting to plant the seeds. I really want them to play this up. You know, you don't have to have the rock come back. You don't have to have Rikishi come back. You don't have to have anybody come back. Just do video montages of the rock, you know, of this, you know, often Sika of rikishi play this up play gold dust play dustin play dusty whatever that's you gotta play on these heartstrings no absolutely you do and and it works because it's a it's you know family what is more important to a lot of people than family nothing is more important than family and when you make it about family and especially you know somebody like uh like cody who's who's really tapping into the audience with you know with the legacy of his dad and, you know, and, and, and bringing up the story he told in that promo on Monday night raw, you know, about his career and where it began and how it progressed and where he is now and where he wants to be. It's, it, it's just masterful. And of course we talked about the bloodline storyline has been the best thing in wrestling right now. Let's just put it that way uh, it, from a story standpoint. So um, you take these two ingredients, you add them together and you know, there's a good chance you're going to have magic. Sure. No doubt. It feels like Cody's on an island, though, man. <laughs> I mean, you got the, the, the Usos. You got, you know, Heyman. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like he's kind of on an island. Is there something else they maybe they could add to to, to Cody? Hmm. Well, maybe this is – maybe this will be a perfect time, you know, with you, – you play Rome – or excuse me, Sammy and KO – 
with uh with Cody. Play that card. You know, yeah. who knows? You don't have to legitimately, you know, be in his corner kind of thing, but have them be the support team for him. Hey, we got your back in case, you know, stuff hits the fan with the Usos mm-hmm. or Heyman or uh Solo or whomever. Yeah. Um, and and not to interrupt you, RJ, and it works with those two guys because those guys are hugely over as baby faces. Right. 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 And I think Cody and I, I maybe I may not be too far off here, but I think Cody's the most over babyface in all of professional wrestling right now. Hmm. Outside of oh, obviously previous to Sammy this weekend, but um right. even that, it's you know unfortunately it's like some people are saying, Oh, Sammy's gonna outshadow Cody and WrestleMania is gonna be this. I'm like, just wait. It's gonna happen. Co- just wait. Yeah. Cody just feels like a star. Yeah. When you see him, he just yes. exudes superstar. It's it, it, it works. It just absolutely works. But something else that definitely has been working. We missed it last week, but we have it this week is our Refin review. This is Refin review. One thing. Gentlemen, that I have noticed, and I'd mentioned this previous in her pre-show little powwow, is, you know, Kane is not Mr. Royal Rumble. Undertaker, Steve Austin, is not Mr. Royal Rumble. Our very own Mr. Jimmy Corderas is Mr. <laughs> Royal Rumble, folks. Dude, if you watch, and I sent this out on social media, too. I said, if you guys think about it, watch any Royal Rumble between let's say me, you know, 99 to 2008 odds are Mr. Jimmy Corderas is going to be there at ringside, you know, whispering sweet nothings into the ears of uh, one <laughs> Brock Lesnar. But um, no, Jimmy, I, something that I noticed, I want to get and, and both of your thoughts too. Cause I, I know Brian, you've been you know, a part of a lot of the world rumbles too, but um, Jimmy, how, how do you really, you know, prepare yourself obviously between doing a, you know, a made event at Royal rumble, and then okay, like we got a six. You're gonna be out there sixty minutes. Holy Christ! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's it, you prepare by uh, being at all the meetings, whether they have them backstage. You know, they get everybody in the room and they they give out the numbers and and so forth. You're there as well. You have to hear what's going on and you listen to all the different things and you go to the agents slash producers because there's more than one for these matches, like the Royal Rumble, and you and you ask them what do I need to be aware of. Make sure that I'm getting my times, all that sort of thing. And then you go to certain talents and you just go, hey, is there anything I need to know? You just pretty much mm-hmm. go to everybody individually and say, hey, is there anything I need to be aware of? Is there something you need me to do? So, you know, at, or, or somewhere you need me to be like uh, the rumble where Austin got eliminated behind our backs, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, you know, that was San Antonio. Yeah. And and snuck back in and, and ended up winning the rumble despite the fact that we didn't say, you know what I mean? Little things like that. We have to be aware. So you have to be on board and communicate with as pretty much everybody in the match. Jimmy, did you just say that you went to meetings? Did you just say that you listened to the spots before things happened? Did you just say that you were looking for the time cues of these things happening? Mm, Yeah, because, you know, Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing to me, man. I I I I don't. Ooh, could this thing not be? Could this thing not be happening for other referees nowadays? And they just don't care and don't show up and don't give a fuck. 
that hey i'm not there i don't know i don't want to speculate <laughs> well <laughs> good thing this is not video because yeah. uh, you would have seen those rolling eyes of one mr <laughs> jimmy corderas but hey we won't throw you under the bus that quickly though maybe we will i don't know uh, i mean but but you know that's yeah thank you brian but it's just it's just what i'm saying like i always say the referee's job is not to be the story is to help the talent tell their story and you have to know what that story is yes. so communication is important absolutely i agree with that 100 and i always remembered Anytime, whether it be the Royal Rumble or just a, say, Battle Royal, per se, what Jimmy's saying, referees out there that may be listening, maybe not, is that there are certain things that you need to know in order to get things done properly. They can't do it. There's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, as a referee, it is actually a lot of work, believe it or not. People think you just stand out there with your finger in your ass. And you just wait for people to be eliminated. That's not true. Not if you're a true professional and and, and, and you're a referee who really knows how to steer the ship. Um, so what I mean by that is what Jimmy touched on. You got to go to these meetings. You have to go listen to this stuff. Yes, it's a long day. But guess what? You're getting paid. You know, that's what you're there for. You need to go listen to all these things. You, you need to know the elimination order. You need to know what time the eliminations happen. You need to know the commercial breaks if it's something on TV. Royal Rumble is a long match. It's a long match. There's so many different things that have to happen at a certain specific time. Pay-per-view gives you a little bit more leeway with time, but still, they want to hit the time. They want to hit the mark. When you said something, RJ, about uh, Jimmy covering uh, or being heard talking or looking or whatever it was with, with Brock Lesnar, knowing the professional that he is, Jimmy was simply letting him know because he was going to be the ultimate winner, was letting him know, hey, Motherfucker, we have 10 minutes to get so-and-so eliminated and to get to this finish. Mm -hmm. And Brock Lesnar would be the one you tell. You don't tell all the other motherfuckers that don't matter. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't make sense. So that's Mr. Royal Rumble himself, Jimmy being a smart dude. So mm -hmm. anyway, yes, it's, it's a lot of work involved in a Royal Rumble, a battle royal, if you really care. Yeah, real, real quick question for you, RJ, since you, you noticed it, uh, me communicating to Brock. Uh, what was Brock doing when I was communicating to him? <clears throat> I believe I he was, he was selling. I believe he was selling. There you exactly. go. Exactly. So in the communication with him, you try to make it look like you're checking on him. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he is selling. And in that, hey, are you okay? By the way, we've got two minutes left. You got to get to the uh blah 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 spot, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. You know, that sort of stuff. So you try to make it look like you're doing it in the process of doing your work. Yeah. And J Jimmy, you have to stop making sense tonight. This is. This is <laughs> <laughs> I know what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're at seven twelve on Tuesday, the thirty first. Okay, good. Um, yeah, it's, it's so complicated. <laughs> Jeez. But it, but it, but it's something that I noticed too when we, we were talking with um, John Alba a few weeks ago on the Matt Hardy episode when we talked about the TLC match that you did. Same sort of thing, you know. You mm -hmm. talk to them, you know, whether it be you know Matt or. Uh, Shelton Benjamin or Mr. Kennedy or whomever was in those ladder matches that you did. Hey, you okay? Okay. We got 10 minutes. We got five minutes to get to bing, bing, bing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think it's something that we, we may not necessarily see it, but hopefully it happens now when you're doing these gimmick matches that they have on TV now. But uh, something I also wanted to bring up, it's a very positive 
ref and review this week. So uh, there's a first for everything. Uh, this Sunday, February 5th, is the 35th anniversary of the Twin Magic Angle. No, we are not talking about the Bella Twins. We are talking about the original Twin Magic between Mr. Earl Hebner and Mr. David Hebner. Um, before we get started, if you want to go back and check out what Earl had to say about it, it is on our November 16th episode of last year. But uh, gentlemen, 1988, uh, I know, Jimmy, that's right about when you started with the company. This was on NBC's The Main Event. Yeah, I'd, I'd started uh, refereeing the, the year before. Actually, it had been roughly about a year since I okay. started refereeing. And I was at this main event, and we were kept in the dark as far as the twin magic situation was going. So when the match came up, and I looked in the ring, and I was expecting Uncle Dave. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, everybody... <laughs> You know, everybody was kind of like, oh, man, look at Dave. He's looking good. He's lost some weight and blah, 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 and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So me, I'm looking at the – I'm watching the monitor in the back by where the uh, the drink table was. I remember, Brian, they used to have the big yep. – uh, with, with the cans of soda and blah, 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 and the coffee. So I was making myself a coffee. And as I turned around, I looked in the shadows, and there's Uncle Dave watching the monitor. And I look at him, and he looks at me, and he goes, shh. With the, you know, the finger up, going, they're giving me the shush, don't say nothing. And I went, and then it clicked to me. Oh, my goodness, that's Earl out in the ring. Because I know at the time Earl was working the other place. You know right. what I mean? A, right. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. And he smiled. He gave me the nod and stuff like that. And then they went into the twin magic spot. and The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, well, at least you were there. I was at home and told to watch it for no reason because my dad was with Crockett Promotions. He gives me a call and says to me, I need you to watch Saturday Night Main Event. And I said, why? He says, well, I just need you to watch it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. My dad's putting over David. and David must have a good spot. I don't know. And so I'm watching it with some buddies. And I was just like you, Jimmy. And when I saw David in the ring, who I thought was David, I was like, damn, David looks smaller. <laughs> and... It didn't take too long before I was like, that's not David. That's my fucking dad, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was pretty cool, man. Really, really pretty cool. Uh, I wasn't such a hero at school the next day, but uh, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I so, will say this, though, uh, Brian, it, it helped me tremendously. Uh, it was I was learning a lot from Dave, but to have both Dave and Earl there at the same time, along with guys like Timmy White, uh man uh i was blessed let me put it that way that i had guys to go to and ask questions and they came to me and said hey when you do this make sure you try and you know man i had great teachers that was the cream of the crop you were working with there buddy mm-hmm. yep. yeah because i think we you had a very young fully mulleted one michael Kyoto there as well at this time or soon mm-hmm. or soon thereafter mm-hmm. uh, right and i think this was back in your uh your I don't want to call it a fro day, Jimmy, but when you had a wonderful head of hair, you know, some some well, of us don't I, aren't blessed with that anymore. So, yeah, I, especially <laughs> me. And uh, back in the day, Ed used to call it the frolic. Well, you got <laughs> no idea how good you make me feel looking at both of you in, 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 in my little pictures uh, and, and looking at me with hair. I, it makes me feel really, really young, guys. You're, you're so supportive. I love it. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to. 
That's why I try. That's why I try to tilt this the monitor down a little bit so you don't get that light glaring off the top of my ginormous it, it, like it, dome. It, and Jimmy's just embraced it. He's just like, "Fuck it, I'm bald. Fuck you." Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Over the years, I started seeing it. You know, you'd watch the matches back on television, and I'd start to see the crown at the back, and I'm going, "Ooh, there's a spot there. Can I cover it up? Can I cope?" But there, no, not with those TV lights. That ain't happening. <laughs> so, so you you got one choice. You either get a transplant or embrace it. And I ended up embracing it. Good for you, man. Hey, Jimmy, you look good, bald. RJ, mm, not so much. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thanks, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, it's the same part. I could grow it everywhere else except my head. Uh, you go, but that's the great curse that I have. <laughs> that's what. That's where manscaping comes into. You know, is a blessing. Well, if you head over to if you head over to, to, to manscape.com right oh, now shit. and use a promo code Refin, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping. Uh, they mm -hmm. just came out with a new uh, uh, little beard trimmer that they have. Absolutely phenomenal. I actually surprised my wife with uh, using the old uh, nasal and ear uh, trimmer that they just came out as well, the Weed Whacker. Um, she's like, you look different. I said, thank you. <laughs> she noticed this week, huh? This week, anyways. I don't know about next week. I, I trimmed this up. I trimmed my ears. Trimmed Kind of an all-over kind of thing. Uh, well, can't help but shave everywhere with manscape you can't you can't help well, but do question. it i mean you you, you kind of busted me up a little bit last week when i said i was doing it twice a week um but was wondering how fast i could grow hair well it's not even about that it's not even about that it's just about having those smooth balls i mean and that's the thing mm. it just makes me feel so good and i got the manscape non-shave box of briefs and I'm going to tell you that now. I'm wearing them right now. I'm not even bullshitting. I'm not even bullshitting. And I ordered three. No, because see, you buy them in a pack. So I bought them in a pack, and I think it was buy four for $39. $39 for these things is, is incredibly cheap, in my opinion. Mm. And I actually get sped up on my laundry now each week because I need to make sure that I have those in my drawer to wear. Mm. Because they stop me from swamp ass. They stop me from the the support of just your gentiles falling. They support you. Uh, oh my God, Manscaped's amazing. It really, really mm -hmm. is. You know the set. The sad part is though, uh, I ordered some. They actually sent me the wrong size. They sent me a medium. I'm like, I haven't been a medium since I was in middle school. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> well, you want like them, RJ, you want them a little bit smaller to support you. You don't want some trunks on you. Well, right, exactly. But it, it's still, it's kind of like, you know, you're talking that little higher octave anyways, but. Uh, are, you know, you telling, like, uh, are you telling us something, John Holmes? Uh -oh. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. There's a little too much information there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Segway. And segway, <laughs> go head over to manscaped.com right now. Like I said, use a promo code Refin. You get, uh, you get that, you get 25% off your entire order, your entire first order as well as free shipping. Thanks to our friends over there at Manscaped. It is the new year. Make sure your balls are taken care of, just like Brian takes care of his each and every day. With that being said, let's send it up to our second count. There's no easy way to do it. We're just going to do it, gentlemen. Let's send it up to our second count. This is your two count. This week, we are going to be covering the great career of one Mr. William Regal. Uh, guys, it, his career goes all the way back to the ripe age 
of 15 when he started wrestling um the mean streets of blackpool england guys i i know that this is something that you normally don't see nowadays but 15 man it's it's got to be some sort of obviously it's different times yeah especially because here in north america you know uh, you might be able to sneakily get away with it, but I don't know if it was an issue over there. I don't know what the what, what the culture is like over there with regards to this. So, you know, when we hear something like that, someone starting at the age of 15 to, to, to get in the ring, uh, I could understand it if he's trying to learn at the age of 15, but for somebody to actually do it. And, and, and you know, we will get into it, but when you talk about one of the toughest individuals mm-hmm. physically, if you ever step in between the ropes, man. And one of the nicest men you'll ever meet, too, a gentleman. Oh, that's no that's Lord Stephen William Regal. You the, man's man, the man's man. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um now what is now what's the kid's name in AEW that they signed that's 15 uh, Allen or Wayne? Nick uh, Wayne. Nick Wayne. I believe Nick he's Wayne. 16, I believe. Okay. Well, either way, 15, it, 16. It's a 15, 16, yeah. He's he's a very young prodigy, that's for sure. Well, he's the only other guy that I can know that 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 that's that's doing what Mr. Regal did. Like you said, Jimmy, it's one thing training, but to actually get in the ring and physically do the do the whole deal, it just it, it, we'll cover. But it just shows the passion that this guy really, really, truly has for the sport. Mm-hmm. And and I think the only guy that you know. Like I said, this goes back in reference to our Matt Hardy episode was Jeff Hardy, where I remember hearing stories that Matt has told Matt has told on his podcast, uh, The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, uh, that Jeff, they had to kind of fudge his, you know, age a little bit, too, when they started doing uh, tours there with WWE back in the day on house shows. I think it was like maybe it was like 16 or something at the time. And he, they said he was 18 or something like that. So hmm. sometimes, like I said, different times, you can't get away with it nowadays. That's your, that's for damn sure. No. Well, yeah, that could be true. I mean, think about it. You know, we also know that uh, Vince hasn't done whatever with 27 women. So, I mean, yeah. We, <laughs> well, <laughs> allegedly. We, yeah. Alleg- we, yes. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure fudging for 16 and 18 wasn't a big deal. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, he started his career in 1983, at, like I said, at the age of 15. But he wouldn't really start getting noticed until 1993 when he signed with WCW World Championship Wrestling. And he mm-hmm. took the ring name Steven Regal and became very quickly a one of the legitimately best WCW TV champions of all time, in my opinion. Um, a guy that kind of really, you know, they think could count on to be on t- TV every week when being a TV champion actually meant you had to be a TV, whether it be, you know, Saturday nights, main or Saturday nights, uh, there on TBS or on Nitro soon after that. But guys, what do you think? Best TV champion of all time, Jimmy? You can make that argument. I mean, like, the, you know, because the, the TV championship is something that you, you know, we talk about the IC title and the U.S. title being workhorse championships, especially mm-hmm. in, in today's day and age with Roman being, you know, the uh, unified champion and not wrestling on TV as much. Yes, he appears, but he doesn't wrestle. Uh, so having someone, a workhorse like William Regal, uh, 
you know, holding the, uh, the TV championship and actually, you know, defending it on television and, and, and putting on, uh, how, how do you, how do you explain it? Uh, great mm-hmm. performances. Let's put it that way. And looking legit in the ring. That's the other thing too. He legitimized that title as well. So right. you can make the argument that he was the best television champion ever. And also, you know, it, it, it just like Jimmy, he stole the word from me and that's fine. The legitimacy of, of that title back then is what he did. That mm-hmm. title meant so much to a lot of people because let's just face it, like you said, it's a, it was a workhorse champion. It was a, it was defended usually weekly on TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you think of names too, like Arn Anderson is what touches home to me when you think of that TV mm-hmm. title along with William Regal. William Regal really, it's just times have changed. But, the, the, but my God. God, you know, that's what made that title what it was. That's what makes all of us at our ages remember what that TV title meant. It doesn't quite mean the same anymore. You know, uh, like, you know, like the Intercontinental title to me does not mean the same what it used to be or the U.S. championship. And it's kind of the same because of things, the way they change. But that's what made him to another level to show what that title meant. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I just I, I can't say the best, but my God, mm-hmm. one of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think WWE is really trying to pull legitimacy back on the IC title and the U.S. title more yes. so now because you know, we, we saw, uh, I'll call him Walter, Gunther, whatever you want to call him, or Walter, um, you know, went coast to coast at the Rumble um, mm-hmm. over an hour. I believe it was an hour, 11 minutes and change, I believe. Uh, you got Austin Theory, legitimately one of the he's he's a future heavyweight champion, in my opinion. Um, as a US champion, they're putting the US championship inside the elimination chamber in Montreal. So that goes to show you that hey, we're gonna <laughs> this is make or break time. Um because but like you guys said, it these titles don't or excuse me, Brian, you said this is these titles they don't mean anything like they used to with this TV title in WCW, the NWA TV title with Arn Anderson, whatever. But January 30th, 1993, he makes his debut on Saturday night. Um, can you guys name, and this is in the show notes, so it's, it also goes to show you if you read the show notes, but uh, mm-hmm. won't call you out too quickly. Can you name the enhancement talent that he debuted against? Uh, it, it, only because I read the show notes. I know. <laughs> and it's Bob Cook. Yeah. No, famous Bob Cook. No, if you guys want to go back and watch any of the old WCW Saturday nights, you're going to see Bob Cook or even WCW Nitro. You see a lot of Bob Cook. Uh, fantastic enhancement talent, probably one of the best of all time. But, um, yeah, it's it's fun to go back and watch this. I watched a little bit of it uh, in, in, in preparation for this. But just absolutely phenomenal. Um, he would actually go into a tournament. I, I, I actually – well, Sorry. I, I'm glad. Well, I saw it in the show notes, but I thought it was a misprint. <laughs> Who'd you think it was? Know, I I didn't know who it was, but I didn't <laughs> think it was Bob Cook. Oh, okay, okay. I, I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. I'm actually I'm I'm a pretty good historian when it comes to uh, old school wrestling, and I just I'm, I'm it would. Is there history with this guy? Is he was he something? No, he was just big in the south, southern territories, and okay. um. Uh, you know, he was just that guy that put over a lot of this younger talent mm-hmm. um, that would come in, you know, guys that, you know, like a Steve Regal that would come in with, 
you know, hot and heavy, you guys like John D.B. Bad or DDP or whomever would come in and, you know, they tried to put, get him over. Um, and he'd no, also Bob make Cook the talent guy. look good too. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to name of me for the second. What the heck is, um, uh, uh, George South. There was another guy. Ah, yes. That was okay. with the WF. All right. I'm going to pick that name up. I yes. just didn't come Bob Cook. And, and he's still, and, and George South is still going now. He's still wrestling down in uh, Carolinas. Wow. And he's yeah. probably, he's, he, man, he, and I, man, he's got to be north of, I, like he's, he's, I don't know if he's almost 70 or not, but he's got to be close to it. Um, He's north of 68 for sure. That's yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Rio would soon be inserted into a tournament for the vacant WCW television title. He defeated the Barbarian in the first round before losing wow. to Johnny B. Bad in the quarterfinals. Context behind that, Johnny B. Bad, Mark Mar- Mark Marrow. Um, mm. And then, obviously, the Barbarian. Holy crap. If you beat the Barbarian, holy crap, you're mm. you're kind of a big deal. Uh, guys, obviously, you guys worked with Barbarian there a little mm-hmm. bit, Jimmy, there in the, in the WWF earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think... How do you think that talk went backstage between the Barbarian and William Regal? Uh, I could only imagine. I, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because everybody knows Barb's reputation. Barb is right. uh, another great guy. You just don't want to be on the bad side of the Barbarian. That's all. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but I could, I could imagine these two having a great amount of respect for each other, especially knowing each other's backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I could see them actually working well together and just, it, it's one of those matches where you apologize before the match. Throw a couple of potatoes out there. Well, no, no. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's going to be, Hey, we're going to have a great match. I apologize now for what we're going to do, but just know that we're going to have a great match. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, I don't, I, I can't see them having any issues with each other mm-hmm. because they both work that style and they're mm-hmm. both tough guys. Sure. Well, and even Johnny Bad, Mark Merrow, after that too, working with him, and 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 Johnny Bad is another one of those guys too to bring him up as far as a TV title, um, or the U.S. title, or what have you. He's another one of those guys that you know a legitimate Golden Gloves boxer from up here in the state of New York, uh, and another another tough guy. Yeah, he was man. He was. Um, what was really weird about him is that. He really got over with with the uh, uh, flamboyant stuff mm-hmm. that he did, you know, with the uh, elaborate entrances and things of that nature. And you wouldn't think that a guy with a you know background as such would be that 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 kind of character. So, you know, yeah, man, it's just mm-hmm. wrestling's a weird sport, a weird sport, man. Weird, very weird. So by June twelfth episode of saturday night's uh wcw saturday night regal gets the villainous name of lord steven regal mm-hmm. um a name mm-hmm. that would follow him many many years down the road and somebody some but something that is still he's still called to this day i am sure um that he claims he's descendant of william the conqueror and sir william himself would be his manager um, I think that this, if you go back and watch this guys, I really implore anybody that's listening now after you listen to this, of course, 
head over to the network and watch a lot of his early stuff here in WCW because this is really when you know you could see him tell stories. And it really meant the business meant something to him, and you could tell it. And he plays that character and he lived it. You know, and this you know, this time frame is that I noticed too, because we saw it in WWF, and we'll get that to a couple of the matches we're going to talk about in our third count. But he's putting even though he's only been in the company very, very short period of time, he's starting to put guys over like a Johnny B. Bad, you know, like a Marcus Bagwell, who would become Buff Bagwell. So you're starting to see these seeds play that where he's starting to get that you know, that talent relations trainer aspect of his career or started here early. No, absolutely. And like you said, he was getting guys over because he looked believable in his role and people believed that he was a legit tough guy. And he also made the guys that he put over look like a million bucks. And that is a talent in itself. I mean, you can, you can be a guy with an ego who who's as tough as William Regal and say, you know, I'm not putting this gentleman over, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, you know, and, Oh, <laughs> I have to put him over. Well, he's going to earn it. You know what I mean? Uh, he understood this is a business and I could make money with this person. If I make him look like a million bucks, we could both possibly make a million bucks, yeah. you know, and he understood that. And he, uh, a mentor, a teacher, and was great at working with others uh, unless you ticked him off and thank goodness I wasn't witness to any of that in person. Uh, but uh, everybody who knows him well knows that this, he's another one of those guys like barbarian. You don't want to upset. Yeah. I should probably talk about this in the third count, but I, I just feel like that my, my interaction with, with Mr. Regal was that he was just the smartest guy in the room. I, I really do. I mean, the guy's just a smart, intelligent guy and just, man, just full of knowledge. And I just always felt that way. Ever since I met him, I just felt like he was always a smarter guy in the room. And he he, he didn't act that way. He just came off that way because he, and, well, let's face it, he might have been the actual smartest guy in the room. So, you know, you, you, you take all that and you put it all into what we do. And you're going to get far. You're going to get far. So fast forward a little bit here through the summer of 93 to the fall of 93, the inaugural fall brawl pay-per-view on September 18th. He wins the television title from one Ricky Steamboat. So wow. it's unbelievable. His first you know, year or two in the company. I, I don't know if I'm going on a limb here, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but I would put his first year up against pretty much anybody. You know, you get a Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, obviously different time frames, different styles. But when you're taking on guys like Ricky Steamboat, beating Ricky Steamboat, facing Larry Zabisco, Davy Boy Smith, uh, Dustin Rhodes, <sighs> it's got one hell of a year. No, he absolutely did. And, you know, you mentioned the name Ricky Steamboat. I got shivers because yeah. Ricky is always one of those. Uh, again, another great guy. Uh, and it's, I know it sounds like I'm telling everybody's a great guy, but, you know, 
I always got along with Ricky. Ricky was special to me from before I got into the business. I met him one time and it was awesome. And he became one of my favorite people in the business. And Ricky also was one of the best in-ring talents. And again, another guy who understood that if I work with this guy and help him look like a million bucks, he will be a million bucks. And and this was pretty much, you know, Ricky had been there and done that by this point. So, you know, it was time he understood it was time for him to make new stars. And that's that's exactly what he did. Yeah. And he would hold, you know, this is September 18th. He would hold this title all the way to May the 28th on Saturday night. Uh, where you drop it to Larry Zabisco, but we're we're gaining it soon there in about a little under a month at Class of the Champions. Uh, Class of the Champions 20, uh, excuse me, uh, 27, pardon me. Um, I just had Roman numerals. I just, my brain just went. Um, <laughs> but no, it, but it goes to show you, it's just like you as a company with WCW, and you see this a lot now. You don't see it so much now, obviously outside of Roman, but you don't see people really holding titles for months and months and leading into a year or over. But with Regal, man, that it had to be like, okay, we're strapping the rocket to this dude. Let's see what he can do. You know, I noticed too, as, as time goes on where the changes have been made and now we're where we are now in 2023. I think that companies are realizing that you need to have title reigns. Like you have to have that. And it's a way of establishing a title and talent and the people that are coming after it. I just think that that establishes a title. And I think that now companies are really realizing that. I mean, we got Roman Reigns now that's on this crazy, crazy uh, reign that that's, I don't know how long or whatever, but I'm just saying, but you got, you know, I, I'll just say for right now, you know, MJF has is, is, is got a little rain going on. Um, you know, I just think that they're realizing now the companies, uh, TNA is doing the same thing with Josh Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, that, that it means something to have a title for a certain period of time. And just dropping it in a month just doesn't do anything for the title. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was, you know, the old school way and it worked for William Regal. So, Brian, you said something very interesting there. I know you said dropping a title quickly after winning it does nothing for the title. And a lot of people, uh, young fans today will say, well, it does nothing for the the talent as well. But it again, you're hurting the legitimacy and the legacy of that championship. Yes. Uh, maybe even more than hurting the talent because the talent could always get their heat back. And the way to get the, the, the championship over is to have somebody defend it with all their heart and soul for, and, and, like you said, have a long title reign. And that's what we're seeing right now. And I'm glad you brought up Josh because Josh is a, a good example of that. Mm. Well, and, and I think too, what you also have to take into account to piggyback off what you said, Brian, about the, the reigns of the, of each championship is to me, yeah, you can have a long reign, but how many times are you can defend it in that reign? You get a guy like Josh Alexander that pretty much has defended it multiple times in a month. You have Roman that, yeah, he's, you know, he's not on TV or pay-per-views all the time, but when he defends it, you know, he's, he's going all the way out for it. But um, yeah, it just goes to show you where, you know, they're trying to get that old school feel back into the, uh, into the business. Uh, the spring of 94. 
and I can't believe I'm saying, I, I, actually, I believe I say in these guys in the same sentence, but William Regal on Worldwide challenged Ric Flair to a best of five series under, uh, let's see, Mark of Queensberry rules in which Regal would lose to Flair with uh, one win, two losses, and two draws. So we go from Ricky Steamboat in 93, at the end, towards the end of 93, to Ric Flair in the spring of 94. Holy crap. <laughs> That's got to be one hell of a year or a couple months. Excuse me. It absolutely is. I mean, and, and what more can you say about the talent that won? And you know what? It I could only imagine that guys like Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair wanted to work with, with Regal. Mm -hmm. I, I, again, I wasn't there. I can't say it for sure, but I'm sure they, they knew the value of getting to work with someone like Regal and uh, man, did they deliver big time in those matches. No doubt. And you know, you know, you go back and you hear all these names about, you know, Rick Flair, Ricky Steamboat. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Larry Zabisco, Davy Boy Smith, Johnny B. Bad, you know, and, and, and moving forward, I have never heard a negative word about him. He, there, there could be, he could not be probably the easiest guy to work with. I mean, does he stand up for what he believes in? I'm sure he does. I mean, he, he's a tough son of bitch. But I don't. I don't hear any stories. I, I. I don't. I don't. Other than simply what we're going to put over, you know, here today on our show, is just a good guy. Just a good guy who loved the business. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and another and put the guy, business. And sorry, and put the business first. Yeah, absolutely, he did. And he still does. And he still does. Mm -hmm. uh, but another guy that puts the business first is one gentleman that he started to mentor towards the end of this year of 94, excuse me, of, uh, yeah, 94 and early 95. One John Paul Levesque, or as Brian called him, Levesque. Um, he's, Who cares? Yeah, he's, <laughs> apparently, well, apparently he does because that's his last name. But anyways, um, obviously John Paul Levesque being one Triple H here in WCW forming the legendary, I'll call him legendary team because I enjoyed it, was the Blue Bloods. So you had the incarnation of one William Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, John Paul Levesque. You would later have the uh, combination of Stephen Regal and uh, Bobby Eaton as mm. well. Man, it, it, it's one of those things where I think that friendship started there with him and Triple H here in WCW. Um, mm. And then you getting you getting paired up with Bobby Eaton. That's got to be a trip, too, as well. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, that maybe uh, Mr. Regal saw something back then in a young Paul Levesque, mm -hmm. uh, Triple H, as he later came to be known and, you know, identified and connected with him in that regard and thought, you know what, with a little bit of mentorship, this guy can be something. And as we all discovered later on <laughs> in, in Hunter's career, uh, it seems that Mr. Regal had a great eye for talent even back then. Mm -hmm. No doubt. So he had a he had a heart, I guess, for John or Gene Paul Levesque. All right. Mm -hmm. Who 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 who'd he ever be? You can at that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. At that at that time, but it's when it's like you see something in him though. You know, he like like we said when we talked about him previous, Brian. You know, when you get a guy that comes from you know, one of those killer Kowalski schools, you know, he's going to be good. You know, you see the stamp 
of many of them today. Eddie, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Edwards is one of them. Um, uh, Kaz was one is one of them. So you get to see the imprint of that too today. Mm-hmm. But um, he would then make his debut. You know, we're talking about a lot of this WCW stuff where he really mm-hmm. started, you know, making a name for himself. But he would start to make his first appearances in the WWF at that time in ninety in June of ninety eight. Um, defeating uh, Draz, he would face Tiger Lee Singh um, before he gets sent to training camp with one Dory Funk Jr., the Funkin' Dojo, mm-hmm. if you will. Man, he had, when you, when you talk about getting stretched, A, you talk about William Regal, and B, you think of Dory Funk Jr. Holy hell, you had to get stretched in that, in that gym. Yeah, and and knowing Mr. Regal, he had probably so much respect for Mr. Funk that he allowed him to stretch him. Because let's put it this way, <laughs> even at even at that time, uh, William Regal could have, let's say, battled back for lack of a better term. But he went there to get back into uh, real good ring shape. Apparently, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was out of ring shape. He still looked good to me. But uh, hey, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> No, but, you know, he would fast forward a couple of years here to 2000 where you get back officially back with uh, with the company on the main roster here. He would go under the name Stephen William Regal, obviously later shortened to William Regal, but he would have uh, match, great, good matches with one L Snow for the European title on Raw's mm-hmm. and time after time. He would then become, I think, where you really start started to see his comedic uh, side when he was the goodwill ambassador of the WWF, as well as the on-screen commissioner with his wonderful side sidekick that we'll be talking about in a few months uh, to Jerry hmm. uh, guys. I, this, this was absolutely phenomenal. You get to see that comedic side of him. This was my, this was my, honestly, this was my favorite for such a long time. Uh, like just part of our programming. It was just such a, my favorite. Tajiri and him played off so well each, with each other. It, it was just chemistry that was unimaginable. How does William Regal from England and Tajiri from Japan come to this uh, crazy, crazy world of professional wrestling and put on the biggest and best skits that we've ever seen and the funniest stuff you'll ever see? And you just don't think of William Regal at that point in time before all this happens as some fun, funny, comedic guy. And Tajiri, mm-hmm. the same way. So, to me, this was absolutely amazing TV. I just, uh, it really seriously was a very, very favorite part of the TV program during this time. And it, it did abs- you're right, Brian. And it showed absolutely the versatility of someone like a William Regal because you didn't expect it out of him. He was such a serious individual and, you know, legit tough guy. And you thought, no way that this guy can have fun. <laughs> right, right. You can see you can see that uh, in this comedic uh, version of uh, Commissioner and all that stuff that he played. And especially in his interactions with the jury, how much fun he could be. He was so entertaining on so many different levels. So, gentlemen, I want to play a little video clip for you and obviously be audio for our audio listeners 
Um, this is a, this popped me when I was watching this. Uh, it is actually a freestyle rap from one William Regal. I, I, I can't do it justice. I'm just going to play it for you guys and, and get your thoughts after this. So let's hit it right now. My main man, Flav, look at you. Aren't you ridiculous? Thank you. And absolutely no talent whatsoever. Anyone can rap. Now, I bet you, you can't rap. I'd like to hear you try. Come along, I don't do foolish things. Regal, do not just stand there. Bust a move. <laughs> if you insist. Straight out of Blackpool, I'm William Regal. My rhyme's so intense, they shouldn't be legal. My style is refined. Not crude and crass. I'll keep you grounded like volcanic ash. I'll take you down, rung by rung. I'm just like British Parliament. I'm completely hung. Straight up gangster tripping. Yes, boy. <laughs> so. What? I, uh, yeah, that is, uh, wow. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But, what, what more can you say? You, you can't. But that's the thing. It's like you're so used to seeing him, this rough, tough Englishman that, you know, it will stretch you beyond belief. But towards the end here, like you mentioned, with the Tajiris, with Santino and Vladimir Kozlov and the Bella Twins were there. It's just like you get those backstage skits. He can do it all. Mm -hmm. No, he can. He, can. he truly can. And here's the thing. You have to remember, he is the ultimate, I would say, a, a, a character that says, I'll lead you to believe this, but this is what I really can do, and separate the two to where when you watch, you go back and look at some of these clips like this. Like this was the first time I've seen this. It was absolutely phenomenal. Flavor Flav did a good job, too. Basically, you know why? Because he was mute. He didn't say much. He just mm -hmm. was quiet. And William Rigo took over the stage and he did it at a magnificent level. It was just great. It really was. You, yeah. you know what it kind of you know what it kind of reminds me of that someone else took after William Regal in this is a is a Kurt Angle. Yeah. Because you know, there's a guy, an Olympic gold medalist, a, a shooter and all that stuff. But when did he really resonate and 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 you know get the audience really enthralled in him? Jimmy Crabcorn and I don't care. You know, all that mm -hmm. comedic <laughs> stuff that he was doing with Austin got over huge. It was amazing. Kurt Angle rapped? No, but he, he had that little... Yeah, well, he did too. Angle did. Oh, yeah, he did too as well. I'm wondering where he got his music from. Hmm. Hey, Jimmy K? No, yeah. that'd be me. I beatboxed, you dummies. Oh. Damn. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. See, sometimes it, it takes a little bit to jog the memory, but that would, yeah, B, that was, that was well, gold, man. It was classic. He, 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 he didn't, not only did it once, Jimmy, he did it twice. Mm -hmm. He did it for one Brian Kendrick, too. Oh, wow. I, I, I was involved in that one as well, providing the music. Mm -hmm. Well, and and if and if you guys you know after a couple cold ones maybe he'll do it someday on on the show who knows but um I I I played that for you guys to show the comedic side of it 
of William Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him. What I want to play for you guys now, too, is I think without William Regal, I don't think Edge would have gotten such a big push into the IC title picture, you know, if he didn't wrestle, you know, the likes of uh, William Regal. So I'm going to play this for you. This is going to be William Regal challenging uh, Edge for the IC title. Edge just had to drop it right there, didn't he? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Bravo, young man, bravo. Another fine victory. Now, I must also congratulate you, Edge, because you did your best to destroy my ruggedly handsome face, and a bloody good job you did of it as well. Three separate surgeries I've had to endure. That's a lot of blood that I've lost. But I wonder if you've considered your actions wise, because the blood that flows from my veins is pure English blood. And if you bothered to scholar yourself, you would know that the English were the most barbaric, sadistic, evil, wicked, spiteful that ever walked on this earth. And I am very proud to be one of them. As I've told you before, if you gamble with the devil, the devil always wins. And unfortunately for you, Sunshine, the devil has come to collect. Uh, that doesn't mm. give you goosebumps if you know any of your you young wrestlers out there that really want to learn how to cut a heelish promo. Look no farther than William Regal. Because no, he'll, he'll, he'll make you, he'll, like I said, he'll make you get goosebumps and I'm not even in the ring. <laughs> no, and like like we've been trying to tell you, you believe it. And that's what's that's what's missing, I think, in with a lot of today. He's not playing wrestler. When you hear him cut that promo, you're saying to yourself, oh my goodness, I really do not want to run into this guy anywhere. It was mm -hmm. believable. That's what makes it work. Absolutely, man. I, 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 you know what? And here's what kills me for now today. Now today's wrestling. That that made me buy in. That just simply made me buy in. Made me want to see this. And the seriousness of this, like you said, Jimmy, yes, he cursed, but it wasn't just to do it. It was because it was just part of the way he was feeling when he said it. There was nothing else he could say because he was so angered by what was going on with the storyline. You know what I mean? And it's just, wow. Wow. Just, just really, really good. Powerful. And it made, you know, it's just some of the, sometimes it just makes me think that those days are gone and never will be here. But, you know, there are guys out there that can, and something else that was very, very interesting that I noticed there. Very, very interesting. He used the word, the devil. There's a guy that's on TV right now that's a world champion that uses that same word. Mm -hmm. His name is MJF. Mm. I wonder where he got that from. Mm. Does his research. Uh, mm. and, and wisely. Good for mm. him. And wait for being smart. Because okay. he probably thinks this is unforgotten and forgetting and it's under the water side. Here at, ref, here at Reffing It Up, we just rehashed it. And guess what? We just did. Yeah, yep. we, we, well, I noticed it. I did notice it. And, and, and it, it kind of you know, brings up a point, too, here that I just thought about is you, know, you talk about those heelish characters. You talk about those great promos. 
I'm pretty sure that William Regal probably caught himself a couple good Roddy Piper promos too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But but you know what? Here's here's my thought process. So William Regal was in AW for what? A cup of coffee. Right. He was under the tool toolmanship of MJF as well. You think he made MJF go back and look at that promo? Or I sure. mentioned that promo to him? I'm sure he has, yeah. I'm positive he did because now I'm listening to that which you just played, and I'm mm-hmm. still now sitting here just thinking because there was actually a line for line that he used. If you go back and listen, and it was mm-hmm. the devil was here, and he used that. And that, and look, I'm not beating it up. I think it's great, Jimmy. When I said something about it right away, the first thing you did was hit your temple, and that means smart. The guy's learning. The guy's digesting. Yes. Um, I know this show is not about MJF, but I'm just saying. But hey, there are sponges in this business, and usually sponges catch all the water, don't they? Mm-hmm. No doubt. So what I want to touch on before we get to our third count here, guys, is obviously we know the history that would soon come after that. Obviously, he would become um head of talent relations, you know, with I guess it's a better use of terms for NXT. You know, did a lot of um, travels to get a lot of this great talent into NXT. You know, he would be an on-screen character. Um, famously, you know, everybody's heard it. I'm not going to play <laughs> War Games. And that would specifically be his his thing. And now he's, you know, he's back with the company. He's, you know, we, we see those pictures with him, Bruce Pritchard and Triple H. They're backstage at Raw 30. If those aren't three of the greatest minds, whether you like them or not, that's beside the point. If you go ask three of the best minds in the business, I guarantee you some one of those three guys are going to be coming up by far. Absolutely. And, and you know, when you talk about him moving into that kind of position where now he's, you know, with uh, quote unquote talent relations, William, Stephen, Lord Stephen, William Regal, has a great eye for talent and not only talent that's already established, but talent that, you know, he sees, Oh, this guy's got a future, a little work with this guy. If this guy, you know, you know, like Brian said, becomes a sponge and absorbs a little bit of the knowledge that we could pass on to him and, and make it his own. Cause you, mm-hmm. you can't just replicate. You have to take something, learn from it and make it your own because if you don't make it your own, then it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like you're just, again, playing a role. And that's what, you know, Regal has done over the years. He has taken bits and pieces and people could say, well, I see a little bit of this person in him. I see a little bit of this person in him. But he made every one of them his own. He put his own spin on it. And that's what I think he can help do to the younger talent. He can spot somebody with a lot of talent and guide them, not tell them, you got to do this, this, and this. Guide them. It, their what, own path. That was the the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest surprise cut that I think I've ever seen in WWE. It really was. I could not believe when I saw the headlines. I could not believe that he was cut. Um, obviously we know that he was been brought back very fast, very quick, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. So, I'm sure we'll touch on some of that more if we want if not but i'm just saying it just shows to you that 
this guy is very invaluable when it comes to knowledge and teaching, preaching, and showing the art of the world that we live in, which is professional wrestling. So I went back and actually did a little research. I actually put it in the notes too. So I'm surprised I didn't see it. He is the, uh, according to WWE.com, um, they referred to him as WWE Director of Talent Development and Head of Global Recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, Jimmy, that goes to show you that, you know, he goes out and grabs these guys from across the pond over in Japan. Um, like I'm sure he was over there when he, they brought Shinsuke in mm-hmm. and, you know, pitched you know, this UK tournament um, that we have so many great talents now that here in the company. Uh, but something that has been great is our third count. So let's send it up to it right now. This is your three count. Let's take you guys to No Way Out 2002. It would be February the 17th. Jimmy, you did this match with uh, William Regal and Edge at No Way Out. Uh, Brass knuckles on a pole. Um, It wasn't, Mm -hmm. I don't believe it was tag that. I think it was just more of a stipulation. Um, But, you know, this goes back to the days of the power of the punch from Mm -hmm. one William Regal. Um, So, a little interesting concept to this. Is this something that... I, I know you mentioned previously when we were talking about Royal Rumble that you would go to a lot of the talent and get their, hey, mm-hmm. spots here, there, what have you. Is that something you're doing here with uh, uh, Mr. Regal and Edge? Or is this something, hey, we'll just do it in the ring? No, it, it, I went to them and I sat and listened to everything they said. And at the end of it, I said, is there anything you need for me to know? They said, you've heard everything. And all we're going to need really from you is to give us time cues because we're pretty much set on what we're doing. And then we had to talk about the the spot where I get, it wasn't, I I wouldn't call it a ref bump. It was a ref kind of low tap (laughs) for lack of a better term (laughs) to distract me for the finish. Uh, But other than that, it just, uh, you know, it was pretty much listening to what they had to say and, and absorbing it. And just like I said, communicate times. Yeah. Jimmy, guess- Jimmy, you got, Jimmy you, you, you're you on a roll tonight. You you got to make stop making sense. You've got to stop oh. making sense. It's not even right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know. Up. I know. Terrible. What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm <laughs> going to make a note of that so we can go back and like take these little tidbits out and do like a like a video collage. Uh, and, and really quickly in that match, the fact that I did take, uh, I don't want to say a bump, I'll say a, uh, a little bit of a ref tap which was enough to distract for the finish. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, should I describe what the finish was or, or you let certainly people can. see it? I, it's right there. Yeah. So basically uh, the, the match was like you said, brass knuckles on a pole. It was done in the corner where you have to climb up in the corner at the top of the turnbuckle, reach down and pull down the brass knuckles and you were able to use them. So whoever gets them were able to use them. So edge was the one who got the brass knuckles first. I was behind edge and uh regal kind of pushed him into me to a point where i kind of got tapped low and it wasn't like a bump like oh my god he's out it was kind of like one of those oh and turn around and turn my back and that's when regal quickly very quickly pulled out a second set of brass knucks popped edge with them and put them back or and then i turn around and count the one two three nice and yes 
yes, technically speaking, people say, yeah, but there's no disqualification in that kind of match. But at the same time, he was a heel using heel tactics to get one over on the baby face by having right. these the second set of brass knucks hidden for this uh, for this match. I actually like that. I actually right. like that a lot. Yeah. But it just seemed watching this back, Jimmy, too. <clears throat> excuse me. It just seemed that when you worked with Mr. Regal as a referee, just, just my point of view, mm-hmm. it was like a night off, so to speak, because you knew he was going to take care of you. He, You knew he was going to take care of that guy across from him. And you also knew that he was going to do his damnedest to get that match over, whether it was you know, the first match on the card or the middle of the card or wherever. No, I understand exactly what you're saying. I wouldn't call it a night off because, uh, you know, it's it, it's it sounds kind of disrespectful. But at the same time, see, that's the thing about Regal. He understood the importance of of being a heel and, uh, you know, doing things behind the referee's back in a, you know, adhering to the referee's rules and and the rules of the match when he is in sight of the referee and when he could, uh, you know, cheat, so to speak, behind his back. He, he respected the referees in that way. It, it was it, it was a fun night in the ring. We'll say that. Yes. There. Yeah. It was enjoyable to have someone finally listen to the <laughs> enforce the rules. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, so Jimmy, hold on real quick. So you you yeah. had mentioned something about it sounded disrespectful. So I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. So we had Bully Ray on our show. Right. Okay. So I want to ask you a few questions, mm-hmm. and they're the same questions he asked me. How long did you work with? How long have you been in the wrestling business? Uh, started technically working for Jack Tunney in '85. Started refereeing in February of '87. Okay, how many WrestleManias have you been to? Oh my goodness, uh, roughly. Yeah, uh, fourteen, fifteen. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, fourteen or fifteen? Just can't remember. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, how many main events have you done? Would you say uh, main events? At WrestleMania or main events? It's just main events. Oh, oh, I couldn't even count. Okay. Hey, there's no disrespect. Fuck them. You tell them, you tell people what the fuck you want to say. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> but, but that all made sense to me. I just had never had nobody break it down, except, of course, Bully Ray would do that. And that's right. what he told me. Stop caring about what you say about things and stop trying to protect yourself. You, you know, you've done enough in this business. Fuck them. You're good, bud. Well, thank you. Well, you too, my friend. You too. You 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 have proven that uh, yeah, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Let's put it that way. I appreciate that as well. There you go. Um, so it it just this was the first match. I wanted to put this first, uh, obviously, Jimmy, with you, uh, because it goes to show you that you know, I talked about him working with younger talent in WCW. Now he's doing it here with WWE in two thousand two with Edge being a younger talent. The next match that we're going to talk about is one that you did with him. Brian was at uh, literally a month later, uh, March 17th, 2002 at WrestleMania 18. Um, you know, something else happened big at this event too. I don't know hmm. what, but um, anyways, this was actually the opening match for the show is William Regal and RVD for the IC title. Um, God, man, Brian, it, it, it goes to show you if do you want to go first at a WrestleMania? Can I set the tone? 
Um, I'll just say this. This was probably the most nervous moment I've ever had in my life. And I'm being dead honest because I was in the WWE. Uh, was it WWE then or no? Mm, I think they were just. I don't think so. I don't think it was. I think it was WWF. I don't think they did it till later this year when they went public. Well, I, I'll just tell you this. I, I remember that weekend and I remember. Uh, this was when I became more integral because. As Jimmy knows, I was the designated Sunday Night Heat uh, kind of guy for a long time, which is fine. I'm not bitching about it. All I'm saying is this was a this was a moment for me, and it was the opening spot, opening match. And you're talking about Jimmy. You know the capacity in Toronto. Uh, what was that roughly? Sixty. Oh my goodness, was it sixty? There's eighteen. Eighteen, right? Right. I think I want to see it was like somewhere in 67, 68,237. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's my Virginia ass going into the Toronto Sky Dome with 68,000 people at WrestleMania, headlined by The Rock versus Hogan. And my ass has to go out there first. Okay. I can tell you right now, I wish they had Manscaped back then. <laughs> um, I, 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 seriously, I'm not even kidding now. I, I was I was a nervous wreck. I was. I was a nervous wreck. And I go back and I look at this and I tell you that I look like a nervous wreck. I did. I wasn't a comfortable referee that was just in his, in his realm. Um, but I'll say this, that I was very proud to open that show. And I was very proud to have that match. I really was. And William Regal laid it out like no other person for that match. RVD was just like, yeah, man, cool dude. You know, yeah, you know, this, this, that, that, that works. William Regal was not like that at all. He was not like that at all. William Regal took it very, very serious. And it was very, very important for me to know this, for me to know that, for me to know where to be, where to go for here. It was very, very integral. That match, I think, was probably eight, ten minutes, something like that, if I remember. Yeah. Something like that. I don't I don't know for sure. Don't remember. Um, it, but it felt like forever for some reason. And I could just tell you that it was a very huge honor for me. That Toronto place was on fire that night. Mm -hmm. It was the opening match, and they were so ready to get this shit going. And... I, I'm really being serious. I, I I think it was the most scaredest I've ever been as a referee to to just get the job done and not fuck up. Like it, it really was. There wasn't any major spots. There wasn't any major things that I needed to do. But there were spots that William Regal did not want me to see and want me to do, and all that kind of stuff, and orchestrated it just the way he wanted it. So it was just really, really very thorough. Very thorough for him. We went over this for two days, and. um you know, we had a green room, if you remember, Jimmy, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and a secondary ring. And, you know, we went over this for two days straight. So it was just uh, – I was so glad it was over, and I felt like I did okay. I don't feel like it was my best work, that's for sure. But I felt like I did okay. Um, I know that I was on the video package where RVD went up and did the, the, the finish, which was the five-star splash, 
where I put my hands up and 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 did the whole gimmick deal. Uh, it was just it was just an honor. It was just really 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 cool. And he was such a cool dude to work with. He made things really really cool for me. And I, I he thanked me so much after the match. He told me I did a wonderful job. So you know the 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 aspect of WrestleMania, which no one would, would ever know, and Jimmy, you, you can attest, is just unimaginable and unmatchable. I mean, you just you just can't, you know, put into words what what we do and on that stage is what that is. It's just uh unbelievable. So yes, Absolutely. It, was a, it was a wonderful match. If you go back and look at it, they worked their asses off. It was uh good stuff. Yeah, this was one, this was RBD's first WrestleMania. And two, this match was ten minutes and nineteen seconds long. So I was, I was pretty close. So, but but it goes to show you too, and we we've said this numerous times. I might even said this numerous times on the show. You don't have to go over to get over. Absolutely. And William Regal is the personification of that because did he go over a lot of times? Not necessarily. He lost the IC title, but he a he got RVD over. B, he got himself over and he lost. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and he helped you out, Brian, in this in this match. And he helped you out, Jimmy, in his match against Edge because, mm-hmm. hey, turn this way. Don't see this. Don't look here. You know? And that goes to show you that, you know, a lot of people say, okay, Ric Flair's ring general. Triple H is a ring general. Kurt Angle's a ring general. You, after the, watching a lot of his stuff, you better put William Regal on that list mm-hmm. too. Because... Five star general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you know, if you go back, if you go back, and Jimmy, I, I totally think you'll agree. And if you don't, you can you can mix it with me. But I totally think this. I think that being a good referee, being a solid referee, being a referee that just does his job and does it correctly and does it well, every wrestler has a potential to teach you something. Yes. They all do whether they've been in the business two years or whether they've been in the business 18 years, it doesn't matter. The point that I'm not trying to make is that, you know, you're in the ring with a William Regal. You, you're you're going to listen to what he has to say and you're going to listen to how he wants to do it. And that's fine. It's, it's no disrespect. You know, and you get into a ring with, let's just say, a Josh Alexander. I'll use him again. All right. A Josh Alexander who knows the wealth of knowledge that you've had as a referee or I've had as a referee is never going to not want that information to where later in life he's doing the same thing that a William Regal or Ric Flair or Randy Orton has done for us now. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a tree of knowledge that carries on generations after generations. There's times where I'm sure that you were scared to death to even mention a word at all. Mm-hmm. I've been through those too. Um, and how dare I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's now times where, you know, well, not now because I'm retired like you are, but, but there's times where like you can take a Josh Matthews and you could say because of the knowledge and wealth that we've gotten from those guys that we're talking about, which is we and Regal we're talking about today mm-hmm. that you pass to Josh Matthews where Josh Matthews will take a young Daniel Spencer and say, this is the way it goes. This is the way it is and teach him that this is how you referee. Do you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. It's just, a, it's just a tree of knowledge, man, that just gets 
lost in the sauce, man, which is sad to me. But um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, we can we can maybe help this out at some point. Yeah. Mm. The circle of life, Simba. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, I'll close up the shop here with this comment. And, you know, you guys can take it where you want. But uh, at the end of the day, 2023. For years previous to this and years well after this, we're going to see the imprint of William Regal in this business, mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, AEW with guys like MJF, John Moxley, Claudio, or whether it be in WWE, you know, <coughs> you get Carmelo Hayes, you get a lot of these Braun breakers. You're telling me that he hasn't sat down and say, Hey, we should do this. We should do that. Or you get a lot of these guys on the main roster with like Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, this imprint that he'll have long God forbid, knock on wood. Hopefully it doesn't come anytime soon when he's not with us anymore, or he's not in the business. I don't see that happening. He's not going to be in the business, but mm. this legacy for, that he has and always will have is bar far by far one of the best of all time. I think. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the knowledge that he has passed on is, is beyond a wealth of knowledge. And anyone today down in NXT or when he was over at AEW or wherever he happens to be, anybody who doesn't try to at least tap into a little bit of that knowledge uh, don't know what they're missing. They don't. They don't, Jimmy. You're, and, you're, and you're right. He, he's just invaluable to this business. He really is. And I, and I know that we've used this several, several times and we'll continue to use it because there is a lot of it. But the passion that he has for this business is extraordinary and is 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 more than the common word that we use for a lot of our guys that we put on here and we talk about. And I'm being dead serious when I say this. His passion is incredibly untouchable for so many levels of what we discussed today. And I can just say that this is a guy that you want on your team. You want on your team. If you're a business and you want the best you can have, you want William Regal helping spear that charge. You really, really do. Um, I had joked earlier, you know, about Levisky or whatever you said. I say it wrong. Is that right? Levesque? Levesque. What? My, okay, whatever. Whatever. But anyway, my point being, he knew he was talent back then. That was my point. My mm -hmm. point being, the joke was, who did he ever beat? Well, guess what? William Regal saw he didn't beat anybody, but knew he could beat a lot of motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. The eye of the tiger, man. The eye of the tiger who can see what is out there mm -hmm. and can teach what is out there. So, man, it's just... He's just an incredible, incredible person, incredible mind of this business. If I ever decide to open a business, <laughs> kidding. Uh, but uh, uh, he, he'd be on my team if he was available. That's for freaking sure. And I couldn't believe, like I said, the most surprising let go of WWE. I, I, I would say he was the most surprising to me, honestly. You know, somebody, guys, that I'm thrilled that we're a part of, their team, 
is Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up right now at Underdog Fantasy, go download their app in the App Store, Google Play, what have you. We've seen guys that win 300 bucks picking up on basketball games, picking up, you know, picking, okay, he's going to go over nine rebounds or under 30 points or whatever. You head over there, download the app, use the promo code REFIN, that's R-E-F-I-N, you will receive a 100% deposit matchup to $100 just to be paid. Pick them. You play higher, lower. You know, NFL season's coming to an end. You got NBA happening. You got the NHL happening. Major League Baseball is right around the corner. So go over there. Absolutely phenomenal. I know you guys have been uh, checking it out, winning some money. God, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm watching the uh, Virginia Tech-Miami uh, game right now as we're recording. Um I've got a hundred bucks that says that Virginia Tech covers the school uh, spread. Right now it's 61-61, and the spread is five. And now Virginia Tech just hit a three-pointer. Now they're up 65-61. <laughs> Excuse me. So guess what, boys? I'm gonna cash in. And a hundred bucks now turns into two hundred because they're gonna match that. So whatever you guys want to do, you gotta mm-hmm. have a little bit of knowledge, Mr. RJ, and know what you're betting on. And uh yeah, you can win a little money. It's all, it's all out there, guys. You know, like I said, you got NHL, Major League Baseball, they have. Um, they got And the PGA. Super Bowl's coming up. Yeah, there you go. Perfect time. You head over there right now. Get the deposit now. You know, that's, you're using that. You know, it's not, you know, it's just not a hat rack. But, yeah. but by the way, by the way, RJ, uh, Jimmy, is there, is there a spread on that Super Bowl yet? Uh, let me look. I think Philadelphia was early. What? I think it was like three. Let me look. I want Billy? to say they like, hmm, Billy. Yeah, I think oh, they were favored by. I think it was at least two and a half. Let me look to, as of right now, as we're recording on Tuesday, Pro Super Bowl one and a half. Excuse me, it went down wow. one and a half for Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Um, one and a half so, Philadelphia. So I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, be too yeah. too scared about that, but. If you go, like I said, go for an underdog, you don't even have to worry about the spread. You know, you can bet, you know, against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, all the uh, Jalen Hearns, all these great Philadelphia players. It doesn't matter. Easy right. money, guys. And they'll match it up 100% up to $100. So head over there right now. Uh, gentlemen, next week, I'm thrilled um, that we can announce this because absolutely phenomenal person. Um, talk about everything, literally. ODB. We'll be talking about next week. May have a little couple run-ins. Who knows? But Brian, somebody that you worked with quite a bit there in TNA, ODB, absolutely fant- fantastic person. Um, I can't wait to do this because uh, she means so much to me. And uh, what a special, special person. And when I say this, I mean this girl has come to my house, stayed the night, slept in my not my bed, uh, <laughs> but a bed in my house. Um, traveled the road together, drank together, had good times. Classy, classy woman who has done the impossible. Uh, she has a food truck. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to touch on all this. But, yes, very, very excited. And, um, Jimmy, I know you haven't worked with her much, but um, I'm sure you'll do your homework, and I know you'll have lots of good things and great questions to ask. But, what a wonderful person. And this is going to be a great episode because she's crazy. And, uh, but uh, not, in a, not in a bad way because she's a really sweet person. Her, 
she does a good job of doing what we talked about tonight right. or today or whatever we're recording. So she um, played that badass, but she's a, a very, very sweetheart type of person and has a lot of heart. And I can't wait to do this. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm, getting, I'm looking forward to, to to talking to her, learning more about her and learning from her because and you uh, will. I, yeah, and I'm, uh, exactly. And that's what I'm looking forward to most. You've heard them each and every week at the beginning, the end, and the middle. AJ McKay, fantastic, fantastic music that he uh, has for us. Just absolutely phenomenal. He's all over. He keeps on getting if, – if, if he can get any bigger, he's gotten bigger. I don't know how it's possible, but he has. You know what? I, I'll say this, man, and, and it's – not because I'm a mark for our show. It's just because we have editing and all that kind of thing. Man, put on your favorite pair of headsets mm-hmm. and listen to that opening of our show and the segues that he's done. The you know the ref and review, the segues to our count one, two, and three. It is intense, man. It's 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 so incredibly wild to hear in headphones. In headphones, I swear. Uh, I just really, really do appreciate him and JD and just, I just can't say enough and, and, and really mean it with all my heart that, that this, this show can't go without all this kind of great stuff going on. So. And you awesome. guys can check us out, learn for more from us, check us out across social medias at reffing it up, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, check us out castby.com slash reffing it up. All our platforms are there, merchandise, all that good stuff. Every platform you can imagine we're on, we're on. Check us out, five-star review. Jimmy, way people can get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me on all my social media platforms, Twitter at Jimmy Corderas, Instagram at Real Jimmy Corderas. You can catch me doing the uh, post-game shows on Wrestling Inc. on Monday nights doing post-Raw and on Wednesday nights doing post-AEW Dynamite. And, of course, you can catch me here every Wednesday morning with my good brother in stripes, Brian Hepner, and my new brother, uh, RJ, having a blast talking about some of the greatest people that we've had the pleasure of getting to know and learn from. Brian, what do you got for us? Well, first of all, I want to just say uh, real quick that if you're a listener, and I know you are, please hit your subscribe button mm-hmm. and review because that uh, that only helps us out. And that helps you out because believe me, more material means a lot better less. So <laughs> what did you say to me, Jimmy? Yeah. I, leave a five-star review. Oh yes. A five-star review, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> five-star, I mean, what? I mean, there's nothing that you could leave other than five-star, but anyway, um, but off that, uh, you can hit me up at, uh, at baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me. So guys, thank you so much both of you guys for being here tonight as well as all of you listening whenever you're listening because well you can listen whenever you want but make sure you tune in next week stay tuned for you guys can ask questions as well check us out like i said on twitter at reffing it up or we'll post out something there when you guys can do that um definitely looking forward to next week right here on reffing up with brian hebner one two three